0: This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend, Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower, an add-on to an existing burn building or connex setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, From Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at affordabledrilltowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American fire service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service, organizations such as the Joey D. Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoce's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job So check them out, Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers. And let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good and so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather. There's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give him a little pluck and tell him keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter own businesses and especially family-run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check him out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find him on all your social media channels hey everyone jeremy national fire radio on the podcast today a friend of mine a friend that I just found out is closer to my age than he thought. You are just um, well, uh, well maintained, and you look incredible, brother. I just figured you were a distinguished gentleman, but no, you are you are a young lad like myself, and uh, for that, I love it. Sean Egan, welcome back to the show, pal. How are you?
1: Hey, brother. How are you? Yeah, yeah, young. Finger quotes, young, right? Like you
0: look fantastic. I always thought you were just one of those distinguished, like a couple years older, well, a few more years older than me. But you just wore it really well. I mean, you I mean you are, I
1: almost a- hung up on you when you told me how old you thought I was. <laughs> what the shit? you should have. I'm should've. staring, I'm you staring down fifty, and I'm getting going down I'm like, Oh, I 50. thought you were. I thought you were 55,
0: 50. I thought you were middle to young 50. So you got, listen, I'm always I'm only five to six years off. So relax. 49, Deep
1: 49 brother.
0: Deep breaths. Well, big five O clubs coming. I still got a few years off on that. So I got almost a year still. So I'm good. But, I, you know, but this leads me to my first con- – well, first off, I'm so glad you're back. You and I, um, we don't talk enough. I always enjoy talking with you. You and I have done some fun things together, uh, Rob and the crew, of course. And and then, you know, we've been up by you. We threw a great event up uh, with you. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's just so many great things. But the problem is that the, the clock ticks by so fast, man. Oh, like, man. It's crazy. literally. The last time you and I talked, I think, was – October when I fired up the podcast to do these daily episodes and that's almost a year ago.
1: Yeah, that um, was a lot of fun. I, Yeah, that was, I think I was probably the fifth, fourth or fifth, maybe sixth. Uh, I had to beg you to put me on, but yeah, it was, uh
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is. And, and that's the thing. I at the time, it was like, oh, yeah, 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 I need you. I need you now. Yeah. I'm like, eh, I'll schedule you, Sean. I'll yeah, whatever. Whatever.
1: you whatever yeah. you're around the old man. No, but the, you know, <laughs> you're right. It's just that's the way life is. You know, you have children. I have children. Uh, you know, my son's first day of senior year of high school is today. It's a little bit of like, Oh no, you know, uh, daughter's a sophomore in college and the yeah. two older boys are uh,
0: that went quick because I remember when she was like softball and and trying, yeah. you know, scholarships and you know college and all that stuff. So yeah, she's
1: playing she's playing in high in college and awesome. she's loving it, but you know, it's man, it's just before you know it, it's over like the job, goes, man. Goes I remember the well, academy that's... like yesterday. It's 25 years ago.
0: That's the segue, man. And that's where you and I were gonna take the beginning of this conversation today. Is talking about it. I mean, you're 49 years old, but you got 25 years on it. Yesterday was 25 years. Oh, no. Back oh, in April. Well, well. Yeah. Oh, back in April. So yeah. 25 years with the Buffalo Fire Department. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a captain of uh, four truck. Yes, You've sir. been there for 25 years. You've seen a lot of highs and, and definitely uh, a bunch of lows along that journey. Oh, well, um, for sure. Yeah. Goes quick, right? I mean, we're talking about family. We're talking about how our kids grow up fast. We're talking about the last time you and I talked was forever ago on the podcast, but we keep in touch through text or quick phone call here and there, but it's Ooh. never enough. But man, the calendar flies by and we're all dealing with that, right? I think now the conversation more so is, you know, what's up? Oh, I wish I had more time. Nobody's, nobody says I wish I had more money. They always say, I mean, I could always use, don't get me wrong, right? We Bex, could always Bex. use more money, but Bex. everybody complains about time. Mm-hmm. Where's our time going?
1: I just think it's the way, man. Like when we were kids, now I'm older than you, we established that. But, you know, I There's didn't no have. the
0: same generation. We're, we grew up together.
1: Go ahead. Right. I didn't have the, you know, 15 travel mm. sports and clubs. And wow, you know, it was, you got to play hockey and you played hockey at your neighborhood ice rink or you played baseball at your neighborhood field. And that's where most of our time goes is is traveling with our kids. And, but I love it. Like I love every second of it. Yeah. My oldest boy, I remember watching him play his last collegiate hockey game when I was crushed and I had three more kids still. You know, what I mean I had three more kids to watch, but here we go, you know, today tonight my son's got a uh, uh, his uh, second game. Yesterday he had his first match of the season for volleyball and I missed it cuz I was at work. Tonight I'm supposed to teach, so I'm going to miss it. And you know, but that's where that's where it goes and before you know it, like my wife's having the grandkid conversation. Our oldest Quinn is going to be 26 in a couple weeks. By the time I was 26, I had two kids.
0: You're going to be a young
1: grandfather. No, let's just, I said, my wife's having the grandkids conversation.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah, having, well, I'm, so I'm content. I, I got a lot of similarities here, right? So I got four kids, but I have like two sets of kids. So my 15 and 16 year old are obviously home, my daughters. And then my two stepkids, which are mine. I mean, I, I call them stepkids, but they're not. They're my kids, right. 29 and 28. Uh, they've been mine. They've been in my life since they were five and six. So, I mean, they, I grew up with them. I mean, it's just, you know, when they grew up with me and so, you know, but they're both moved out professional. They're doing great in life. Um, it's only a matter of time. I'm sure before the, the rings and the babies. And I said to Terry, I'm like, Tara, I'm not doing this yet. Like I'm, I'm not going to be a grandfather yet. You know, like I still got a ton of, and you know, what's going to happen by the time my 15 and 16 year old move out, and they're going to be in college and Terry and I can start traveling and enjoying life with no kids cuz we've always had kids since we got married. Yes. I know there's going to be grandkids and I'm screwed. Yeah. I'm
1: screwed. it's exactly the same. We should move closer. We could just go have coffee at like commiserate we together. the McDonald's like playhouse thing, you know. <laughs> but that's it. I got 25, 25, 23 and 18 and 17. Are my, you know, there's a big gap between them and and uh, is what yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world though. I'm yeah. blessed. All great That's- kids, that are proud of them every day. And you know, my wife, uh, we we're coming up on our 25th wedding anniversary next month, October 11.
0: How important is it? You, your family obviously grounds you. I know mine does, yeah. right? Which then gives you the opportunity that when you had a bad day at the firehouse, you have your family at home to support you. And when you have a good day, you have your family there to ride that high with you. How important is that for you?
1: Oh, it's unbelievably important. And the funny thing is, it's a great conversation that, because what do you do when you have those bad days, you want to protect your family because you You don't don't necessarily want them to, they don't need to, you know, you need to have the conversation deeper than, well, I just had a bad night, Yeah, but you don't need to get into the gory details. And in the world we live in today, more often than not, they know before we before we can talk to them because of the be always you know the twenty four hour news cycle or somebody's live streaming or Facebook liveing or Twittering or what Xing whatever it's called now. But like, it's a legit thing. And on the other side of that, I was always careful how I treated my children when they were younger because I had these this level of I see what I'm dealing with working in the inner city. And I'm aggravated that my kid's not happy that he's eating, you know, a, fr- a home cooked meal. You know what I mean? And, and it's not their fault. They're just oh. kids. They got everything else. But that, that was a re the, a real, real thing. And it took a lot for me to figure out that I have to, I have to kind of separate that, you know, like are you said it yourself. Like I, that you think I'm just like old soul. Like my kids say, I'm the fun sponge. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> dad, Dad can always ruin the joke. Like I'm a comedy oh, cool, My wife calls right. me. You know what I mean. Like, you know. But it's true. But if you don't, if you don't open up to your family about what what's troubling you, and for a long, long time, my wife and I had this like kind of unwritten or unspoken agreement that you're gonna get from me. We had a bad day. I'll never forget. Years ago, we had a, a good fire. Unfortunately, two little boys passed. Um, I was on a engine 31 at the time, first new engine, and we basically crawled right upon these kids, but it was, it was too late. And, uh, you know, they were, I mean, Christ, it was so long ago, but let's just say they were seven and five. So I got a six and eight year old at home, you know, so get home in the morning. My wife's there and Hey, how's it going? On? We had a terrible night, horrible night. Two little boys died. That's all I said about it. Nothing else. You know, I'm going to go to bed and then later that evening my lieutenant at the time was playing in a he had a he played played in a band and so we all went out to go see him you know wives were included and sure. once I was around the guys you know the, the the faucet started flowing so to speak you know the conversations were had and we could talk about it and it was like well why didn't you my wife was kind of why didn't you talk to me like that right and I was trying to protect her but it's it's kind of BS right it's not My job to protect her. She's on you know, and it was a tough conversation. And ever since then, I kind of say if you don't you don't want to get into the gory details, that's fine. But here's basically what happened. So, you know, communication with the family, communication with our crews, communication with each other, it's huge. And guys like, you know, you and Rob and friends that I've met all over the country that are are that outlet for you that I can vent to about things that I may, may not be able to vent to with guys on the job or, or friends back home. I was texting with Rob yesterday, matter of fact, about some, some, uh, he's, you know, he had a vendor at his station talking about some SCBA stuff. You know, we had some bad shit happen in Buffalo. And the first couple people I heard from were you and him, you know, and that stuff matters. Like it's, you know, the, 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 the friendships are more than, running India every other day you know i'll see you in person twice a year if i'm lucky and but still we pick up right where we left off you know,
0: you know? always always i think though you brought up a very very good point so many and and we're going to segue into this conversation in a minute but as this job is trending younger oh yeah these guys need to start having <clears throat> these conversations with their girlfriends fiancés yeah. Boy, right yeah. or or their husbands or boyfriends right I mean, whatever, whatever, whoever your significant other is, there needs to be that conversation of understanding what the other person needs from you when you come home, right? Some people need to just be like, listen, I come home. I need to turn. I had a bad night. I don't want to talk about it right now, but we'll circle back to it. Some people need to talk about it. Some people can talk about it to a certain level. But for you, like, I agree with you. I'm a protector. That's who I am. So I always, um, or for a very long time, I thought I needed to protect, especially my wife, my kids. It was just like hands off. Like I didn't share a yeah, lot. With them, right. As yeah. they're getting older now, they're much more privy to what's going on Right. But with your spouse. Like I always, I always thought I had to walk that line of protector. Right. I'm the man, I'm, I'm the father, I'm the man, I'm the husband. I need to be the one out protecting, but what you, what you don't realize though is a lot of times you alienate your right. spouse when you do that because they don't, typically understand what that is because it's not happening every day and when you do come home and act that way um it's it's kind of misunderstood and so that had to be a a pivotal moment for i'm sure your relationship and marriage i have to believe that
1: yeah and that's the thing you know you're trying to protect but they you you you're actually patronizing them. what do you mean you don't think i can handle this you know what i mean and yes no it's not that but it's about the the i don't need what haunts my dreams to haunt your dreams too Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not trying to be dramatic but you know what i'm saying like we we all have incidents and over the course of a long career your 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 incidents add up you know we i just talked about a fire that probably happened in 2004 i remember it like it was this morning yeah Uh, you know i i was talking the other day about at work about a call we had way back that was definitely prior to 2002 that I remember like it was yesterday morning and out and more often than not you know my wife and I were were celebrating 25 years this year um and more often than not how was your day it was good it was fine how was your night it was fine right and that's the end of it and and she doesn't push unless I'm not there you know what I mean like if I'm like checked out she's like all right well you sure you don't want to talk a little bit and oftentimes it's just venting frustrations about whatever right if it's yeah of course policy that came down Mm -hmm. or it's not always about a bad call it's about stressors of the job or you know this new rule came down and i don't like it or this this kid's frustrated me and i don't like it but it, it just found out that i just figured out that you know i'm not a great communicator you know i i just would rather just be alone with my thoughts and figure it out and years ago it used to be hey let's go have a couple co- oh shoot i lost you, Jeremy hold on
0: i'm good i see you yeah, that screen and I can like, hear you yeah. no worries um,
1: uh, you know let's go out and have a couple cocktails and everything will go away and and obviously we all know that that's not the answer but you know um you know it, and, and it is it's you, you protect your family at all costs but you have to understand that they want to protect you too and they want
0: And you bring up a very good point most of us are not good communicators, you know, and, and it takes work. I mean, the fire service is full of alphas, man. We are, you know, go-getters, people that take initiative, people that work hard, right. And they're proud of our work. We don't typically like to talk about it and communication, um, you know, I think has a lot to do with how guarded we've been with our mental health issues, with our divorces, our alcoholism, our drug use, our spousal abuse and, and cheating and everything else that goes along with it. I think yeah. it a lot of that, Sean, is based on the lack of being able to communicate with where we are in life.
1: Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. You know, and we, one of the guys early in my career gave a speech, you know, we put our we put our turnout gear on and we think we're invincible and, and you don't realize and, and that's one of the things that I've been pretty vocal about local internally and is is how the stigma of mental health you know seeking help has kind of gone away and yeah. if it's not completely gone it's definitely getting better and and that's you know you, there's there was we've had a lot of shit happen in our city the last couple of years yeah. and deeper than our football team not making it past the <laughs> divisional round or whatever you know but like yeah. you know and uh, uh you know but for years and years and years and i remember back in 09 after our we had a double line of duty death, uh, the 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 team came to our firehouse and we all sat there and stared at them. I didn't want to talk. I haven't I haven't processed this yet myself. You know, right. I wasn't at the fire, but our platoon worked the next day. So we all went to the scene and we're there, and we get back, and it's kind of like that firehouse has a you know little setup on the apparatus floor and an empty bay, a bunch of chairs, table, guys will have a cigar or whatever. We were just sitting there with a coffee and nobody was talking. Right. And the team came and they're just here to help. I'm not mad at them, but I'm also not ready for it. That's right. And nowadays I think it'd be different is that somebody would talk. I didn't want to be the first one to say anything because I didn't want guys to be like, oh, look at this guy. He can't handle this. He can't handle it. Fast forward 14, 15 years, it's different now. You know, the union's doing a lot. We they have their own, we have our own person, the union hired. That we can use for EAP or to get, and it's a, no different than anything else. It's a private conversation. You call this person, and whether she helps you or not, she gets you the person that you need to talk to because there's distrust with the city EAP. For of course. Reason. Of course. And of course there is. Cause we all think that anything I tell them is gonna go back and they're gonna put me off the line. Just like I don't want the city doctors giving me my physical, I'd rather go to my own. And a lot of that is our just our uh insecurities or distrust for the for the you know the municipality but it's but it's i've learned now over the years that it's not that anymore you know these there's so many resources out there you know but even the iff and i'm certainly not an expert on it so i don't want to start quoting all resources no i get it um, you know if you live in my city my county my you know maybe not the whole state i can't speak to but the help's there if you need it and you just have to humble yourself a little bit to go ask for it before it's too late. It leads to all those other things. Like, like we just, like you just mentioned the the, the I, drug drinking, the divorce, the whatever, you know, I can't yeah. imagine getting divorced right now. When my wife and I, we started dating in 1993. Like we're like, we talked about, I don't know if it was off air or not, but it's just about to get fun. You know what I mean? Like, like financially we're doing better. We're at a different stage in our life. The kids are all doing their thing. Like, yeah. It's going to be our time soon. I can't imagine my my you know stubbornness or blockheadedness causing her to take off. You know, it's
0: it's not it's, only that. I you know so much of that too. I mean, first off, the fact that we're even having this conversation means right. we've come right. a long way, right? Like, on the internet, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, but if you think about it, like what you said, it resonates because we're making tremendous strides in making. It more aware about how important it is for one another to be on top of it and that there's help out there when you need it and if and when you need it. And so on. We're making tremendous strides at at educating and and promoting that that's ok. Um, but obviously, like anything, we have a long way to go. and and, you know, knowing your own policies procedures, what's available to you, the resources that you have, and so on is absolutely important. or at least know where to ask, right? right. It, that that's the most important thing. But, Something you said that that sticks out to me is you said, I can't even imagine, you know, like divorcing today. Right. And I think about that and I think about how much of a better person I am with my with my wife in my life. Great. And I think so many people are self-destructive in some ways. And, and I think that they recognize that they're better off with their spouse, but they're so self-centered and destructive based upon what they're dealing with that they're willing to throw that away because it's easier to do that than it is to focus and, and, and take accountability and look at what's in front of you. Um, yeah, you and to that's look, hard.
1: Look within yourself. Sometimes yeah, and, you do. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not judging anybody. I don't know. Anybody no, that, right? no. We're not even speaking about you in particular, but just no, in general, that this conversation about, yeah. Like that. And there you have it. Like the, the conversation is the hardest part to have. It is. You know, and some days. And and again, like if my wife was sitting right here next to me, she'd be like, you're full of shit. You don't <laughs> but it, but it's true, but uh, you're like, right. It's, it's the nonverbal stuff. That's like, right. you know, I, she'll see something, you know, and finally she's like, okay, you're ready to talk about it now. And, you know, we went through a stretch where, where she was unhappy with her job, not her current job, one of her old jobs where I said to her, I'm like, you know something, why don't you just quit? And she's like, what do you mean? you know, I make a good living. Like whatever I said, listen, I'll figure it out. Like I'll work more. I'll do whatever till you find something. I said, but me and you are mad at each other for no reason. Yeah,
0: that's it. You're right.
1: You're so sure. stressed out with work. Yep. yep. And I, and I go, I don't mind being your, your punching bag, but every once in a while I got to put a block up. If you, you know. and,
0: and it goes right back the other way too. And that's why communication is so important. I wanted to ask you something else about communication, which I think um kind of, you made me think about it before I made a, a note. To come back to it, Buffalo's had a tremendous amount of tragedy in the last year or two. Um, not only did you guys have a line of duty death this past March, yes, um, but you also had that supermarket shooting. You've had some other, uh, you had that blizzard that destroyed the city for weeks. I mean, you guys were buried in feet was- and feet and feet of snow. But there's there's a tremendous amount of um, activity in in Buffalo all the time. It's a, it's a tough city at times, um, and you are in the thick of it. Now, more than ever with communication, your family is witnessing this in real time, where years ago, guys would have time to go back to the firehouse, decompress, and then call home and be like, you know, hey, this happened. And even before that, you didn't even have, nobody knew about it until the nightly news, and you would talk to your spouse when you got home about it. Oh, now, your kids, your wife, your, you know, if if your parents, your brothers, and so- your whole family has a front row seat to really what you're dealing with almost in real time. How much, go ahead, because oh, I I'm, ask your question because I'm sure well, the, the, it's just the conversation based around how much of that goes through your own brain that like I'm in the thick of this. My family is witnessing this in real time. I have to deal with it on my end. But then I also know I have to deal with it back home, too. Right. It, it is a challenge that people don't talk about for first responders, especially firefighters, police officers, where we're dealing with emergencies. And yet those emergencies can directly affect our home, too.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's hard. It is, and if, and I've done it several times. And I'm sure everybody that's listening at some one point or another, you you know, I don't generally don't. If my phone is in my pocket when we are on the rig when we leave, but I, most of the time I mean, these stupid things are twelve hundred bucks. I try, I don't want to bring them and get them soaking wet. Right. Most of the time, if I'm heading out, I just toss it on a table or my desk or whatever, and I don't bring it but I've been plenty of times where there's been bad fires or serious accidents. I've given, I get back to the quarters and I I literally just got back to quarters and I'll have multiple missed calls from my wife, text messages from wives and friends from my wife and not wives, (laughs) one wife, but (laughs) one one wife and friends. Um, And, um, and it's stressful and go, it goes back to, I remember years ago, our, Former commissioner and retired chief Mike Lombardo wrote an article way back uh, about our explosion that we had in '83, and and the, the 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 genesis of the article was the heroes are at home, and mm. when you really think about that, like you know, and I have to give full credit. And I I'm almost ninety nine point nine percent sure it was Mike that wrote it, but like we're at work, we're with the fellows. And are the you know, not guys and girls, whatever now, um, but they're at home stressed out about it. My wife, my wife, you know, we've had, my wife works for the Sabres. So her key bank center is right in downtown, but it's kind of on the outskirts. We've had serious fires in the old parts of the city that, you know, big old factories that she knew I was at, she knew I was at work. And, you know, I always kind of tell her like, no news is means i'm okay right like something bad happened to me someone's gonna get get a hold of her before too long and and it doesn't just mean the ultimate bad thing but you know an injury or whatever but i can't excuse me i can't imagine being having the role be reversed where i'm sitting there wondering like holy shit it's all over the news somebody's hurt seriously there's this terrible fire going on where's jeremy Where's Missy? You know, where's if yep. she if the roles were reversed and wow. and so that that article and uh and maybe I'll, I'll I'm sure it's online I'll
0: find yeah it I'm definitely there. gonna seek it out I wrote it down you can, the, you the can link heroes it. are at home right Mike Lombardo yeah I don't
1: know if that's that's not the title of the article okay. but that's the genesis of the article isn't yeah. like and um but that's always, back in I 80- go back degree. to that. yeah like, and the
0: article yeah that's that, newspaper that, nightly, that, news. nightly news. Yes. Not a live feed. Like I, I'll be honest with you. How much footage of that backdraft was shown in, in March, oh. the line oh. of duty. I mean, it was all over the internet.
1: It was almost in real time. Yes. I mean, it. I should, it was but It in real time. was, it I mean, was, you know, you know, like we're a big city. We have a ton of buffs, ton of people coming around and they're, everybody's got cameras. Everybody's got, Forget about surveillance cameras, but this was that fire. Let, let's talk about it a minute. That that was in the heart of downtown Buffalo. Yeah. Two doors down from our from Shays Theater at 9 45 in the morning. 10 yeah. o'clock in the morning was when they, the, the May Day was called or 10 oh two, something around those lines. But like, yeah, everybody knew. And you know, I could get an alert on my phone if there's a fire in Buffalo, and I can log on to Facebook or, or Instagram, and within a yeah. minute, somebody will have. Somebody it's will be live streaming, good or bad. We've had we've had terrible truck accidents lately. We've had, you know, a year or so ago, we had a rig that got that got flipped over, turned over from a from a traffic incident. And it was live streamed while some of the guys were still in the rig. And it pissed me off. And some of our friends did it. And I'll tell you off, off air who. And I and I was and I was I was so aggravated about it because of that just because we were just talking about that individual's wife knows that he works at that firehouse and that he's at work yes and i guarantee you you know seven minutes after the accident she doesn't know that he's okay and so don't put it on the goddamn internet until and and i'm i'm not trying i love the what what the buffs do i really i love that that they're they're out there and they're they're telling the people what we do at every whatever department they're buffing but come on guys use your head a little bit like have some tact you know hard. And I, I get I, and exactly you're i'm talking to you who is in is in that realm not necessarily yeah. live streaming fires but you know the first one to get the story is the is the is the key and i understand all of that but they have to understand our side of it you know what I mean?
0: Like well, uh, and, and that's that's really what this conversation is built on. This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game changing piece of training equipment. And I wanna hop into it real quick. It is designed with a four inch manifold of high strength galvanized schedule 10 pipe. The cart manifold are powder coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about Standpipe and FTC connections, having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the Standpipe Theory and translate it to the training grounds. You can wheel the cart out that's on casters, you wheel it out into the parking lot, and that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew. Info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo. Ask for information. Or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 tins in the market. They are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders, they can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on and they provide nothing but top shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylors Tins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the national fire radio podcast and platform and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours and we appreciate the support. And at checkout for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylors Tins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. Right? It's like the the real time of what's happening. Our families are now seeing it in real time. And the the firefighters, right? We're talking about ourselves. Yeah. We carry that burden that we understand that. But it's secondary to the situation at hand because we have to be dialed in with what's happening on the fire ground or at that terrible explosion or accident or whatever whatever it is that's being streamed and shown breaking news or it's on Instagram or it's on Facebook live, whatever. Our family is in tune with that. They know that you're there. They know where you work. And then it's like having, having to balance all of that. That's a hard, hard conversation now more than ever. And if it's not
1: your spouse, it's the kids that are dialed in, you know, all the, big fire and down, you know, I can't tell you now, March 1st, when Jason Arno was, uh, died in the line of duty at that fire we're talking about, I wasn't at the fire. We, we got relieved that morning. So we, we worked the first platoon relieves us. And that was, he was on the first platoon and engine two. So truck four is truck four was dispatched first due to that fire because of its location, because the downtown truck company was, uh, was on another call. Right. So I get alerted and, you know, when something bad's going on or something major's going on like that. Obviously the, the, you know, the, the texts are flying and whatnot. So I tuned in, I put on, you know, broadcast or whatever. And I was sitting right in his chair, kind of just doing some puttering in the morning, having my coffee. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take a ride. So from my house to there, 18 minutes, let's say. So I took a ride and, and, uh, you know, by the time I got there, Everything was, you know, and that's why I'm careful about speaking about it. I wasn't there, but I got there after the fact. And after the fact was almost, you know, more important in terms of as more and more firefighters showed up off duty, I want to be there. I want to get involved. I want to do, I I, I got to help. I got to help. Well, sometimes all helping all you can, you know, the best way to help is to just, pull a guy aside and have a conversation or, you know, give him a freaking hug if that's what they need, you know? And, and it was, uh, you know, it's tough, but you know, thinking about Jason's wife and his family and they knew he was at work and they knew this bad fire. Like you said, most of it was live streamed on the internet. Uh, Luckily the people that I know that were there live streaming, as soon as it went bad, they stopped whether they stopped recording or not, I don't know, but they stopped the live streams, which, you know, you would wish that they would, and and maybe they did, but you wish they would have the respect to just put their phone down and be in the moment. Yeah. Um, But at least the live stream stopped. And, you know, uh, I remember walking up and I saw one of our, one of the guys that's always filming. And I'm like, I go, Hey, you know, what's, What's the deal? And I could see the look on his face. I knew, you know. I mean, we all had our sure. at that point, but it, it, you know, and and it's but you're just thinking about the families, and not even the families, the 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 crew. Somebody who's off that day, or you know, the whole department, the whole city as a whole. You know, especially a guy like Jason. He, you know, I didn't know him super well. I knew him well enough. He was new on the job, and um, but he touched a lot of lives before this happened, so there's mm. so you know and um <clears throat> but that that's the problem and, and and unfortunately like jeremy i hate to point out problems without offering solutions but like what do you do in this world you can't you, you tell families well tough shit like you said if, if i if mm. i take the high road and say well i'm not filming this fire or this incident 15 people next to me are filming it too and if it depending on the severity the gravity of the situation you know, some news outlets calling them to sell the footage to them or whatever. So, yeah,
0: I mean, you know, ultimately, right. Like we're not going backwards, you no. know? oh no, no, no. And so, you know, if you're on the fire ground um, documenting what's happening, it's documenting, right. It's, okay. it's what you do with it. It's if you're glorifying it, if you're trying to 100%. celebrate it, I agree right? that's a lot of it. I think the, the point of the conversation Sean, and what you and I've been talking about though, is how important it is to have conversations with your family that listen, if something big goes down and it's streamed or you see it online or whatever, this is what I want you to know. I carry my phone on me or I don't, I'm going to call you when I have a moment, but these are those open and honest conversations we have to have now that we probably never had before. Right. Right. And, and because, because of where we are today in society with technology and all of that, we have to be, over communicative with our families so that they understand like, what's the reasoning I have in the volunteer fire service. I have an agreement with my wife that if I go out in the middle of the night for a call or something like home response, and it's a fire, you know, if it's going to be longer than like two hours to just give her a quick text message and say, Hey, it's a pretty, pretty big job or whatever. Like we're going to be here. All's good. Or it's like, you know, we're still here. We're going to be here for another, you know, just to just to put their mind at ease because those Those people home, whether career or volunteer, now more than ever, they know that you're in a position that could potentially be harmful and they they want to know where you are. So I think having a plan or or having a conversation so that everybody's on the same page with what that looks like, I think is important.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I have a quick story if you can. Yeah, please. This was a funny one. Um, Well, in hindsight, it was funny. It wasn't funny at the time, but this is what prompted that conversation with Missy, with my wife. Uh, several years back, I was lieutenant at Engine 21, and there was a good fire. I forget where, west side, riverside section of the city. We got shifted over there. So we got sent to cover, right? right? Engine 21 is pretty much in the heart of the city. So when incidents happen, you try to keep a certain amount of companies in each of yeah, that makes companies. sense. Absolutely. So, anyways, we get shifted over. Well, because we got shifted, I took my phone. It was late at night middle of maybe midnight one o'clock in the morning and um i didn't i just kind of put it in my po- pocket and on the way to our shift we got sent to the fire right so i have my apple watch and i have my phone in my pocket and we're doing their thing at the fire we end up on the line and we're you know just doing what i do right and we're fire's knocked down we're taking up packing our you know changed our packs out our gear out getting ready to clean up and I feel my wrist like you have an Apple Watch? No, and I feel my wrist like getting like the tap yeah. the haptic right. taps from my watch. So I like I, yeah I still have my gloves on. So I like slide my glove off to the side and I can see it's message after message from Missy Egan coming through. And I'm like, oh shit, what happened at home? Oh my yeah, God. Right, right, right. Now I'm like, hold on, excuse me. So I I undo my I undo my bunkers, I reach in my pocket, I get my phone out. Like 18 missed calls, 50 text messages. So I called her and I'm like, oh my God, what's the matter? And she's like, what do you mean? What's the matter with you? (laughs) So what happened was somehow. you asked dial her? In the magic of iPhones, I asked dialed her during this fire. And she, I left an eight minute long voicemail of me talking to my crew. Yeah. She's like, arms are going off. I heard a lot of people saying, fuck, I didn't know what was going on. And she's like, oh, this
0: is great. This is Sean's
1: death call, right? Right, so, yeah, 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 yeah. But in the meantime, I see a text from her at 1.30 in the morning, and I'm like, oh, shit, what's going An on? in
0: full panic, right.
1: Yeah, so it was, I mean, after the fact, it was funny, but that spurred the, okay, well, in the future, here's what's going to happen. Like, God forbid something bad happens, the alarm office, somebody will notify you before... <laughs> You know, I won't call you from.
0: That's Im- It's important it's- to have these conversations. Yeah, man. Of course, 100 percent. You know, I think, you know, a lot of times I talk about on the podcast how I take my family for granted and I just assume they know more than they do. Or I assume that, you know, like I can cover this, like they don't need to know this, you know, this and that. And, and you take them for granted. they are people, too, and they're inquisitive and they want to know. And if it's directly affecting them, just like my kids or my wife, if something's affecting them, I want to know about it, yeah. you know. Yeah.
1: And that's where it is with my daughter, when my daughter especially reacts, you know, March 1st, she was back, she was at school. Yeah. She's texting, you know, she,
0: oh, she yeah.
1: Keep track of my schedule, but with overtime or whatever, yeah, right. you know, she's texting my wife and, you know, and she was really worried about me. And that's great. But, and you, you, you can always say, oh, honey, I'll be okay. I promise I won't get myself in that situation, but Can't. how do
0: you make you know, that, that question, promise?
1: Right. Right. Like we yeah. say that, but you know, nobody intentionally puts themselves in that That's situation right. you know I and mean, you saw what happened again without going too deep into that that fire it happened so fast yeah and some herculean herculean like like hero shit was done to try to get to him and then it happened again
0: yeah and, you, know. you said something you said something that resonated with me and i just wanted to circle back a little bit um you said when you got there, there were these, you know, one of the guys that was recording the, the, the fire and and what had transpired. Um, You kind of shared a glance or whatever. And everybody kind of knew it was like that, you know, under understanding without being said type thing. And then you said, after that, you said it was important to know, like you wanted to help. I want to help. I want to help. But knowing where to fit in right? with your experience, I mean, 25 years within the Buffalo fire department, you've been involved with line of duty deaths prior uh throughout in your career uh the the one that happened in March was not your first one but it was the first one for many many firefighters within your department most right? most. most you say, I think you said that uh in the uh after the 2009 double line of duty death um fire that occurred most of the fire what 50% I think you said what, what what was the just roundabout you said like 500 new firefighters yeah. have been hired since then
1: since oh nine and i'm speculating but yeah 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 I, it's well over 500 firefighters that and and i'm not saying you know we've had line of duty deaths you know uh occupational cancer sure. things like that but i'm sure. talking about fireground fire ground line of duty death and so you don't know how it's going to how people are going to react even even when I got hired, the first, you know, we, the first real one was, was not real, but first fireground one was, was Chip and John in 09. And I, had, you know, I was a veteran then. I had 11 years on. Yeah. I still didn't know. And, and so, yeah, we, we, we've hired a, we're, we're probably at the 700, 725 mark in terms of staffing. And if I, if, if 150 have more than, 20 years on i'd be shocked right now
0: i, I think that's know. the i think that's the norm though i think that's oh, that yeah. how the jobs trended um oh, yeah.
1: but- we, the 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 you know the city was going through some fiscal stuff we didn't sure. hire for seven eight years and of course that's going to happen but my point is that you 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 know I, I thank. Thankfully, we don't deal with this enough for me to be good at it. No, you know, I
0: understand. Like, right, that wasn't the intent. I'm looking at right. these
1: guys like they're coming to me like cap. What do we do? And I'm like, oh, that's it. Mm, well, here's what here's what you do, man. Like you 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 do whatever you think is right. But the in terms of that the scene, I remember that, and I remember that from the nine, when I showed up, gear in hand. Again, I wasn't working. I was coming into work that day. And we went to the scene. I probably got there, say five o'clock in the morning. I can't recall. I didn't bring my gear. I just drove in my, drove in my car and parked. And at one point, they're like, "Yeah, you're you got to go get your, you got to go to the firehouse." And I'm like, "Fuck that! I'm not going anywhere." And the chief looks at me and he's like, "Hey, we still got a job to do. We still got to staff this city. Yeah, go to work." So I know that the first platoon, I was on the first platoon at the time, that the first platoons got everybody they need. And then, we, and I said, I go, my fire engine's right there. You don't need me at the firehouse. And, 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 it, and it's, and it was, you know, fear and frustration and anger course, and all that stuff. Of course, you know, all those years later, I'm like, of course I needed to go to work. You know what I mean? And uh, the same scenario happened at, at on main street in March was we go into the firehouses. Are we going here? Are we going there? Are we going to the scene? This is all via text message, which wasn't a big thing back in Oh nine. Not like right, it is today. Right. And, um, I'm like, fellas, like you could come to the scene and be here for support, but you can't just show up and go to work. Like accountability matters, you know, and, and it's hard. And, you know, we had certain individuals that were called in off duty to, to come in and, and, and work on the recovery. And, but those individuals were asked and they were accountability, roll call was taken and a list was made and we knew who they were and we knew, and even to go to work, we finally, finally, the the chiefs were like all right I need four people to go work at this spot okay you 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 and you can go get your gear and go work and and you know the chiefs did a a good job the chiefs that were not on the seat so a fire like that gonna occupy pretty much all of our on-duty forces including our chiefs especially and so chiefs that were off came into work and, and picked up the slack and and they were doing a good job staffing the rigs but it was hard because you're trying to explain to these guys like and it and again it was me all those years ago. No, you can't just show up and do whatever you want. You know, we're approaching 9-11. I remember, you know, stories about the nightmare they had down there at Ground Zero. People just wanting to help, and and they're not. They didn't. They weren't nefarious. They wanted to help, and they just felt like I got to do something. But it turned into an accountability disaster. And finally, after however many days, and again, I'm I don't know the for hard numbers but after a day or two they they're like all right everybody off here's the accountability system we're going to work in in you know and
0: well that's that's why i that's why i asked that's why i kind of prompted this conversation because we need guys that that have a little more um experience a little more age in the job still that can help steer and figure out where we need to go when something like this occurs um you know, you said I want to help. I want to help, and you're there, but you've come to realize that where you belong is probably not where you wanted to be, but right. that's where you needed to be, right?
1: That's a and, good. That's a good. That's a good analogy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that that's important because then that sets the tempo for your company, your people. I mean, you're the captain of of the truck company, so it's it's your pe- these are your guys. This is your house, and it's nice to have that maturity um, and some experience there that might've dealt with. I mean, nobody ever, listen, I hope everybody goes through their career never having to deal with something like this, but it doesn't have to be a line of duty death. I mean, you guys had that supermarket shooting that I'm sure you were directly involved with. Right. And that not only consumes your people, but it consumes then the neighborhood, the city, right? Like all of it. Right. And so like, we need people in those positions that can, navigate this space so that our guys that are riding backwards or you know our younger people. I mean you got a, a very young department that needs people to step up when the time needs them to step up.
1: Yeah. And that was you know one of the first groups I sought out was my crew. Yeah now, luckily the the first platoon at ladder four is a pretty veteran crew um by by today's standards. You know uh yeah, no I get it I get it. But so I I I, as soon as I kind of got there, so they were right in front of the, basically right in front of the building and I just kind of felt them out. Like, I don't say, Hey, how you doing? Cause I know how they're doing. You know what I mean? Like you guys need anything. Can I get you whatever you need a water? You need to scream and yell at somebody you need a freaking, you know, again, not to, you know, you need a hug, you need whatever. And, and, um, that sometimes that's all it is. Just be there, just be there and shut up be in the moment, you know what I mean? Emotions are high, some unfortunate things were said and done by people in that couple hours and, you know, you chalk it up to the to the gravity of the situation that they were in. But um yeah, you're right, Jeremy, and and the youth of our department and you know we have some very 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 good people. We really yeah. do we have a lot of young officers that are, you know, I don't want to say thrust, but they're put in a position that, you know, we're not going in as many fires as we did, even as in early in my career. Uh, I got promoted when I had 16 years on that's when I made Lieutenant Lieutenant. And so I had a long, long time riding in the backseat. You learn a lot yeah. and things are different. And I'm not judging these folks. Like if you're, you know, like, it's kind of like what I talked about before. I'm going to, I'm not experienced enough to take the test. Well, then ne- the next guy is, it's not their fault that they're not getting, they're at slower companies to start their career. That's just the way it works. That's it. We have a mid system. Yeah, all right? We have a hundred. Yeah, I'm good. I
0: can't. You. Hear
1: you're joking. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, right. Well, what are you gonna do for me? Uh, you know, you're 600 miles away. What are you gonna do for me? I'll oh, text. I'll text your
1: wife. Me. I think I have your wife's number. I'll text her and say, "Hey."
0: She already knows. This? She's watching it in real time. It's streaming. Oh, okay. she, started- she already knows. I'm dead on the floor, and she knows I'm worth a hell of a lot more dead than alive. So she's gonna leave me here until I'm stiff. I can promise you that. Well, geez, (laughs)
1: Uh, you know, yeah. So, you know, like these, these guys are doing the the best they can. And of course you can't replace experience. And, you know, the nice thing about it is there's enough of us that, you know, people like me or officers like me, or not even officers, firefighters, there's a ton of great, great, senior firefighters that are still around that are yes. still preaching the good word and yes. show, you know, these, some of those folks are helping the young officers just as much. And that's a part of as being a young officer is you have to humble yourself and say, you know what, let me do, let me know what you need. And, and I, you know, what, what am I doing? What could I have done differently? What? And as long as everybody handles it differently, uh, handles it correctly, like you idiot, you should have done this. No, Hey, LT or a hey, cap, you know, in this situation, this is where we need to, you know, uh, whatever, you know what I mean? And, but that's what it's all about. You got to take the EGO out of it. And um, That's ego. Okay.
0: I'm, uh, I'm writing it <laughs> down right now because that's going to be the title of this. I think you got to take, what was it? You got to take the EGO out of it. Yeah. E- ego. Yeah. Thanks. I know what EGO is. Well, you know, I mean, I know I'm not, I know I'm not the smartest guy, but i like to think I'm, I'm all right. I mean, you know, walk and, that and, line.
1: And, and, and almost to parlay, like ego in terms of, you know, yeah. And listen, a hundred percent. I dealt with it when I got made the transition from firefighter to officer is fucking hard. Excuse me. Put the little E on the thing. Like, and I made a mistake. I think it takes three years or so on each rank to kind of figure it out i've been a captain five years now and i'm still like i don't know a new problem presents itself it doesn't even have to be a fire ground issue it could be mice in the firehouse or you know the the floor drains are leaking like oh man how do i handle that guess what i do i freaking call someone hey hey bro like i got this situation i don't know what to do and you know even if I'm calling a veteran firefighter, a veteran lieutenant, Hey, you've been in this firehouse a lot longer than me. Is this a new problem? Is an old problem? Like you, you got to just understand that we're all on the same freaking team and yes, you're in charge and that's fine. But I made some, if I could go back and redo my first several months as a lieutenant, I would. And I, and I didn't make like critical mistakes in terms of people getting hurt or whatever, but I made personnel mistakes just because I I'm in charge now and there's, you know, those great books out there, buddy to boss, all that kind of stuff, but man, until you can read all the damn books you want, like you said earlier, you're, you're, we're meat eaters, you know, the alphas when you're like, all of a sudden I'm in charge of these dudes that I was, you know, thinking of the next prank with two days ago, it's a tough transition. And that's where the, you know, humbling yourself enough to ask and to to say, like, man, I don't have all the goddamn answers. I had a good day. I took this test and I will, I'll, I'll figure them out, but I don't have all the answers right now. And it's I'm, the same, same, I'm on a,
0: point. yeah. I'm just making some notes. That's why I'm quiet. I mean, I, there's so much to that, Sean. Um, that the fact that you can even say that tells oh, me awesome. that you are humbled by the job and you're allowing yourself to be true and transparent and authentic, right? We, We have so many people today that are afraid to ever make a statement. What you just said. Yeah. We have guys that would never, ever say, man, I wish I could do that first six months differently.
1: I do. I do.
0: There's so many guys that are so afraid to make that statement because they think that they might be thought of as lesser, or they might not be able to build up their own EGO because you have to have some accountability about yourself and some self-awareness that's a big part of what's lacking today
1: yeah and 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 unfortunately it's i don't again don't know the solution but it's an individual thing like i i i promoted and went across the floor in the same firehouse i've been working in for 12 years and you know the guys i was working with are my friends and i don't mean i made those kind like i wasn't you know ronnie rulebook all of a sudden writing everybody oh, else. right i get it but just the decisions like the Hey, you maybe used to do it that way. Well, you don't anymore like that kind of stuff. And and again, like, and and then the same thing happened when I made captain. Now, when I made captain, I went to a a staff position for a little while. So I had a little bit of time to kind of ease into the what's my role now. Like I just came to my firehouse last November. Well, I can't come in there like gangbusters and like, well, tough shit. I'm the captain now. So this is what's happening. You can't. And, you know, you you feel it out and you see what needs to change. And and it's like the, uh I forget, there was a TED Talk where it was like, you know, how do you start a movement? And uh, the guy's like, all you need first is one follower. And then that follower gains two followers. And then that follower, and then all of a sudden you got your movement going. Sure. That's kind of how it is. You you pick one, I had to pick one thing. You know, this, it, this issue uh, at this firehouse drives me crazy. Let's fix that. Even if I fix it silently and I only fix it. On my shift, for example, at first, all of a sudden, someone on another shift notices, like, "Oh, what's going on here?" Maybe uh, it's and contagious. Then, and then, boom! And and again, like big things, safety things. Obviously, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the little, you know, stuff that doesn't in the big picture doesn't matter. But it matters when it matters. You know, what I mean,
0: at some point, sometimes the littlest things make right. the biggest impact. Right? It's the, it's
1: the like a drift towards failure. You know, you let this slip. I didn't check the rig today did you put like yesterday we did our rig checks but we had a kind of a busy morning you know almost every shift we want to get we at least get our aerial up and get it operational we did our rig checks and we did all that we made sure that we were fueled up we never had a chance to put the aerial up we had some trucks that were out of service we had another crew at the shop so i didn't have that 10 or 15 minutes to 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 get and put the aerial through its paces now it should be done every day so hopefully you know i if we would have needed it yesterday, it wouldn't have been, we would have been just fine. But first thing I said to the officer this morning, that relieved me like, Hey, you know, if you get a second today, let's make sure we get the aerial up and make sure everything's good. Cause the trucks get beat up, they get beat up and they go on a lot of runs.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, our rig's got, I think, you know, 70 some thousand miles on it. You know, it's, and, it and,
0: and, and it goes to work. I mean, it's not just going on a, you know, it's constantly on it, off it, on it, off it. I mean, it's, yeah, and, 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 and it's, Two miles at a
1: crack, you know, that's right. Balls of the wall for two miles, turn around, drive back, and then balls of the wall for two more, you know. So, so 75,000 miles or 72,000 miles at two miles at a time. Yep, is a hard and and shit, our rig is probably low in mileage for
0: some of them, but I'm sure
1: nature of the beast when you're you're in a department in a city department like this, you know.
0: Yeah, so what's next? I mean, a great conversation. What's next for Sean Egan? What's going on? Anything exciting and new coming up for you or? yeah we didn't talk much
1: tactics today but we didn't uh, get
0: into any tactics at all but i think it was a fantastic conversation
1: mental tactics are important so what's next for me um two weeks i'll be in columbus for firehouse expo Uh, are you going this year no no okay um you owe me dinner for like eight years now but Do
0: do i still owe you dinner no. You, why don't you get your ass down here and i will take you out and i will whine you and dine you my man but that's all you're getting all right,
1: all right. uh no so firehouse expo and I, i'm speaking thursday i'm doing a i'm doing the truck officer class uh not sure yet if i'll be doing any last year i did uh tailboard talks i think you um uh, it was a short like 15 minute ted talk type of thing not sure if i'm doing that or not yet but my plan is it's a short trip because of there's a lot going on with the kids with sports like this is my son's senior year of high school I, you know it's volleyball season i don't i don't want to miss i don't want to be gone too much during the season to, yeah, to i get it any of his matches but my plan right now is to travel wednesday <laughs> uh my my presentation's Thursday and be heading home on Friday um that's it you for en- that you no enjoy much.
0: do you do you enjoy teaching
1: uh I do i'm I, I don't like and I shouldn't I don't know how to say this but anyone that's sat through one of my lectures understands that I'm not uber comfortable standing on a stage just preaching at people. I would rather be on the ground, like, you know, hands-on stuff like we do. Like, sure. next thing I was going to tell you, you know, Joey D in November with Bobby and that Bobby and the crew at Eckert. Um, that's much more comfortable for me. Um, I, I just I, – I still, for whatever reason, even though brevity is not my problem, right? Like, I can talk, talk a blue streak. I just – I don't feel – super comfortable up on up on stage in front of a room like I, I would just rather you know engage in and in, in, uh, engage with the students at a more personal level but well, the, I absolutely love it um, it's
0: it's real versus showmanship right like you're yeah. you're a you're like a kitchen table guy like you you'll yeah. hold court you'll hold court for an hour and a half on the on the back step of a pumper or at the kitchen table but when you formalize that and put it on the stage, it's Art. a different animal right and and the delivery has to be different the the packaging has to be different um and but i've seen you do it and you do it well Well, so don't uh don't take that away from yourself um it's just you probably enjoy the informalness more than the formal but uh message but your message remains super strong brother
1: i appreciate that and that's the part of the growth right like I, i love it but even still you know the first year i presented at fdic was what 20 18 yeah and i still 5 6 years later like you know i'm like this mm-hmm. until 15 or so minutes into it then yeah you know, that course. calm comes over you but it's because i give a shit That's i want you're well. giving me the, the gift of your time i want you to get something out of it you know and uh but i do love it and i i um i'm honored to be able to do it uh i got I'll be probably with Joey D with Bobby and them. I should see you there usually, right? You're up for Joey D usually. Uh.
0: Yeah, I'm actually, uh, this is a, a huge honor. Uh, I haven't talked about this yet. I don't even know if it's public yet. Uh, I don't know if I should say it. Um, I, I absolutely um, honored that I was asked to uh, moderate uh, the Black Sunday conversation. Oh, beautiful.
1: Congratulations.
0: Um, which is just an incredible honor for me. So much so that I actually had to cancel other activities that were planned for that weekend yeah. to be there for that. Um, very powerful. They've only done that two or three other times. Um, and uh, Brennan Cawley, uh Gene Sokolowski, and uh, and Jeff Cool, and they're going to be on stage together, oh, wow. um, yeah. talking about Black Sunday and talking about their friend Joey DiBernardo, and and talking about the importance of bailout kits and, and, you know, protecting our own. I mean, this is a, this is a a very heavy conversation. Uh, I sat through Jeff's presentation um, a few times. I've uh, I interviewed him. One of the most poignant conversations I've ever had podcast episodes was interviewing Jeff cool. Um And, and just uh, that episode alone for me was game changing and just, um you know sharing that his message um and his story um and so on so to be asked to, to do this is an incredible honor i don't mean to rant off on on this but, but it's it's a huge opportunity so yes i will see you there that will be the sunday of joey d when they do the perfect. lecture and, okay, and class, so.
1: So i could just i could just extend my trip a day and uh
0: after the hot yeah and i'll take you to dinner that weekend okay. finally yes
1: bagel or something you'll give me you a bagel
0: <laughs> some saltines uh, and some water yeah. man
1: our big joke or some salt on a napkin that's it Like it, it. satisfy your hunger but, what are uh, friends
0: for man that's how we do it
1: you know gene comes to every recruit class and gives the his his uh black sunday lecture to every one of our recruit classes and i've sat through it probably i don't know say 10 times yeah each. And every single time, it's like boom, it hits you again. And and I've never, uh, I met Jeff. I never had the opportunity to sit through his lecture yet. Um, but maybe you know, I, I like to make sure I get there for that. Yeah, it's it's a great event, and I'll be there with Eckert and the guys. We do our, uh, you know, kind of our modified taking it to the streets event. Absolutely. And then I got pretty cool. I uh, for the first time, I got invited to the North Florida Fire Expo in February. Nice super psyched about that i did get invited a couple years back and then uh you know life got in the way i was unfortunately didn't make it um so i'm psyched for that i'll be same thing i will be doing the the truck officer class going on there and then in june uh great lakes hot so i was awesome super honored to get asked to do that sean duffy reached out nice Uh, i'm kind of working on rebranding my program a little bit right now and uh kind of making it more universal to get away from like i talk about the urban setting because it's all i really know but i i feel like like regardless of you know there's there's type three structures in every community sometimes in small town usa there's more of them than there are left in in big cities so uh, that's in june and i'll be working with him on the truck uh, the truck company hot program also so super psyched good year coming up for me um you know, I did I did not make the cut for FDIC this
0: year, which a lot of people didn't.
1: And and you know what? I'm okay with it. And and you know, I I had a good conversation. Do we gotta go or you got one more minute? For you?
0: I got well, all the time I the world
1: I pal. all day. You know, I, I don't have to do anything until tomorrow at eight o'clock when I go to work, but um, <laughs> I had a good conversation with a friend who was like, you know, why do I feel bad that I got and I got accepted for FDIC? And I'm like, dude, I know. I said I remember that like. The first time I got accepted, I put in with a friend of mine. I'm like, hey, we'll both put in. We can wallow in our rejection together. I got in. He didn't. Don't know why. His class was great. I heard it. I sat through it. And like you said, a ton of people didn't because, hey, that's like there's a ton of good messages out there. And I'm not. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. And matter of fact, I, I almost didn't put in. And I actually, it's funny. Cause when at first the results started coming out, I'm like, I don't think I put in, did I put in, I can't remember if I put in. And I'm trying to find my, my, uh, abstract that I put in. And, yeah. and then I, I was like, I told enough people I didn't put in that. I was like, Oh, sweet. But then once I'd actually got the email that said, you know, we didn't pick you this year, I had to come you know, obviously I called, I text them. I'm like, Oh, guess what? I guess I did put in and I didn't get in And again. I'm not mad. And if, if I get the opportunity to, to go there with Bobby and EFT to do hot, I, I welcome it. It's a great event. It's a great one.
0: Let me, let me break this down for you. It's very simple. You're going to touch more people with this episode today than your lecture at FDIC will ever touch.
1: Yeah. And that's fine. Hands and, down. And it's Hands great. Down. It's cool. And I hope everybody that aspires to do it gets to do it. I got invited to do it for four years. And it was an honor each year. And of course. Absolutely. I'll put in for it again next year, and hopefully it works. It's, uh, and, uh,
0: it's certainly a uh, something to be very proud of. Fire engineering is an incredible platform that for many, many years has shaped the American Fire Service. And they are the leader in training for the American Fire Service. Um, the funny thing is, though, times are changing. You can reach more people on different mediums than ever before. And so those people, I challenge those people that have a message, get your message out there, find a different way to do it. Um, there's a lot more out there than just that opportunity. And um, and, and what, I, I say that with a big smile on my face. Because right, so. we're on
1: one right now. And me and you talk about it all the time. Like, hey, uh, you know, I'm
0: happy to share my
1: whatever I got to say with you because I know you're in it for the right reason. I, I don't do that shit for money, you know, like, I used right. to tell my wife all the time, the reason I want to go present at FDIC is because I can go to the conference then so I can see my friends. I yeah, it opens
0: talk. the door. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: And, and you know, so for me to get a great week of training, I got to stand up there and, you know, like a dancing chicken for an hour and a half. All right, I'm in. You know what I mean? Like, and and that, if, if nothing else, that made it worth it for me. I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, there's so many great lectures out there you just can't possibly get to. Well, Same and day. that's
0: it. That's it. I mean,
1: And all these little expo and all these small conferences, guess what I'll be doing when I'm not talking? I'll be sitting with a notepad, writing shit down because, you know... I love it. So...
0: I'm Egan. Thank you, brother. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, and, you know, if I... It was nice, off, to, It was nice to catch up. See your pretty face. Your yeah. young sub-50, sub-50 face.
1: Yeah, I, I was... I'm glad, and I'm glad that we uh, talked a couple weeks ago and said, hey, let's do it again. Uh, I really... You know, I, I just finished yesterday while I was at work. I finished the episode with Chief, a story from uh, Maui. What a, what a man, what a story, you know?
0: Yeah. You want, you want something even uh, crazier than that? I'm what? leaving in a week and a half to go there.
1: Really? On well, Business or
0: pleasure? NFR. We're going to document the fires. We're oh, going good. to be doing interviews with the firefighters, first responders, the public um, we have, uh, an incredible opportunity that I've pulled together in two weeks to go. Um, and so literally a trip to Hawaii pulled together in two weeks with full production value and everything else. I really haven't let that out of the bag yet, but we are, uh, we're headed to Maui, um, September 16th to the
1: 23rd. That's two bombs you dropped. This is, I bring, I bring out the best
0: in you. What was the other one? Shit. Now oh, I know oh, Joey, Joey Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let me, like, let, me like, say, let me say this. I am um, one of the most grateful people in the fire service and what National Fire Radio has been able to do and the doors that it's been able to open for me and the guys within the platform is uh, we'll never be able to say thank you enough for the opportunities that have been presented to us. Um, this is just I mean, it, it's it the, the Maui what happened in Lahaina, Hawaii with the firestorm that was there the stories that have come out of there. um, You know, a lot of what's been talked about and publicized is a lot of um, non-truths. There's a lot of misinformation. Um, We're going in regards to documenting the stories of the firefighters and the community that they serve. On the
1: ground, people, right? Like the stories that we want to hear, you
0: know? I tell you also It's also protecting the integrity of what happened there and 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 i mean that in in a in a in the most beautiful way possible that you know there was tremendous tragedy there whatever comes from that i don't know however yeah. it it began or started i don't know but what i do know is this there were people that were there from the second it started and they're there today that dealt with the initial they're dealt with what happened afterwards, and they're dealing with the long-term repercussions. There are firefighters that lost their homes. There's firefighters that lost their families. There are There's tremendous tragedy. And it is my job and my sole mission on this trip is to document those stories so that those memories and those uh, those experiences live on so that there's a, a story to tell and a legacy to be left. And that's super important to me, yeah, to protect I mean protect the integrity of it
1: that was a hell of an episode. And, you know, it was one of those deals. I, like you said, you, you didn't want to take up a lot of the chief's time, but that could have been a three hour conversation.
0: We spoke for two and a half hours. I recorded an hour of it.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you think about like, I complain about staffing. This guy's talking about, if I need help, I got to get on a fucking airplane. Like, you know,
0: it's a whole nother animal.
1: And and it, and it's, but there, there, and again, like I've, I know, you know, I'll be looking forward to seeing your stuff. I'm glad that you guys are going to be able to to get over there because you know it's a deal. What are you going to do to help? It's a 13 hour plane ride. Like I, you know, it's for-
0: it's an incredible opportunity that I I, I had to. Um, I, I felt such a um. I felt Amos's spirit. Um, he he's a retired battalion chief out of Maui. Um, very very highly regarded within his community. Um, like an elder, a faith leader, all of that, right? Very protective of the Hawaiian culture. He's a Hawaiian native, Japanese and Korean bloodline descent. Like he is the guy. Um, I was honored to get uh, a minute with him, let alone the time that I spent with him. And and we recorded for an hour. I spoke with him for another hour and a half after the recording. I went, after we hit stop, the real conversation started. Um, he had to be pretty protective and guarded during that conversation because there's still a lot of information that, you know, is being protected and guarded, which I understand. So it, it, the, the, the conversation after the fact talked more about the community, the Hawaiian culture, uh, faith, religion. And it was this unbelievably powerful conversation that I am forever grateful for. And and the, the, the spirit I felt to come through that conversation with him consumed me. Um, this is no, this is, I'm being hundred percent honest and transparent about this. Yeah, it was wait. a moment. It was a moment that I'm never, ever going to forget in, in the conversation with him and so much so that the opportunity awarded the, uh, uh, the opportunity presented itself. And I literally said, I will be there. And two weeks later, I'm jumping on a plane and flying to Hawaii, which is a 14 hour flight there and 20 something hour back six hour time difference. And I'm checking out of life for a week because I feel that I have to.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're going into hollow ground, you know, and uh, you like, it's a tough story to cover without when then still respecting the gravity.
0: Of, uh, and that's know, it. And and I'm, and I'm so protective of that, that I know me and I know what my intent is and the integrity in which this deserves and And i don't want anybody else doing it i have
1: have i agree and and you know thinking about in your world what you do 100 percent, your business is content but you got to be choice mindful of the visual content that you show right like it's going to be a you know like you you most people like you know dream trip is to go to hawaii for a week you know two weeks whatever but this is a, this is a, you know again I can see it in your face that you're yeah <laughs> you're 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 not you're not jovial Jeremy right like you're like no
0: this, this, yeah. this is
1: a, an opportunity and 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 you want to handle it as respectfully as it deserves and, you know.
0: uh, so much so much so that I'm actually taking my kids with me oh, I'm great. taking well. I'm taking Terry with me um, I want to expose them to what I'm going to be a witness of. I know it's going to be life changing. I'll, I'll share. I'll share a quick story with you. Um, after Hurricane Sandy ravaged the Northeast, uh, Rockaway, New York, the one of the barrier islands, um, off of New York City, Rockaway during the storm had such an incredible storm surge that it, it wiped their community off the map. Um, they had a massive firestorm with six feet of water through their community. They lost hundreds of homes. A lot of who lived in the Rockaways are firefighters, police officers, corrections, sanitation. It's people that it's the blue collar people that make New York City work. The stories that came out of the Rockaways after I've incredible goosebumps right now telling a story and I'll tell you why. The, the storytelling that came out of um, the Rockaways after Hurricane Sandy, where they're pulling elderly people out of their homes in neck deep, wa- neck deep ocean water right? Salt water, pulling them out of their homes and bringing them to safety and saving one another. It was community helping community. It wasn't even firefighters and cops anymore. It was just neighbors helping neighbors and making people survive, but they lost their entire community to fire. Yeah. I went out there two a week or two weeks after the fires happened, the water had receded. Um, and we did like a 24 hour either a 12 or 24 hour tour out there with our engine company. Um, and uh, it, you know, in a mobilization, right. Cause they're, they were wiped out and um, we met uh, in the Rockaways. There are volunteer fire companies, which are kind of crazy for New York city, but there's I think seven or nine volunteer fire companies within New York city's boundaries. One of them was out there, uh breezy point um, and so on. And, and we got to meet some of their people and we ran some calls while we were there. Um, a lot of it, you know, but, But I remember the engine was parked and we just literally stood there and it looked like the fucking moon, man. There was nothing around for blocks, just burned out homes to the ground, incinerated into the foundations. And on top of the fires that they had, they had six feet of ocean water wash across that island while the fires were burning. So if you think about... What those people that they've never had a storm like that before, and then when the fires hit, right? So I've seen this type of destruction firsthand before, and I know what that did to me then. It's an emotional thing. I will tell you this, and I wasn't even a part of it i was I was honored to do a a, a quick tour there with our engine. You know what I mean? and um it was game changing for me so for for this opportunity in Hawaii in Maui uh, in the Lahaina community, I am incredibly humbled and honored to do this. And I wanted to expose my family to it um, because I want them to understand the greater conversation about life and how delicate life is and how important community is. I want them to get firsthand knowledge of the Hawaiian culture and the faith and the religion and the sense of community that comes from the elders and the protection they have for one another. I think that this trip is going to be a, a life changer for me and my family. And that's why I'm making them come with me. I'm taking my kids out of school for a week. Yeah. Just, I, I, I have to, I just, I have this incredible sense of obligation to go do this. Um, and uh, I don't think I've ever felt like this before since we've started doing this. So. And
1: that's, and that's, that's the thing too. And it also sells them on, this is why dad's gone here covering this doing this yeah uh,
0: for sure you know,
1: like it, it it's you know it's bigger than national fire radio
0: this is this than, opportunity than, certainly than, is right like in, it certainly and, is
1: but but it's so so and you know it's so amazing that you can share the story and i know knowing you guys well enough you're going to share it with you know with dignity and the attack that it deserves right I it's, mean,
0: it's all it's going to be you know, it's going to be, it. it's going to be raw storytelling so that people really understand what had occurred there and what's happening now. Yeah. I, part of how this all came to be real quick is the reason why I wanted to, originally I just wanted to talk to somebody there to get some truths. So much hit mainstream media and all the nonsense going on about conspiracy theories and everything that happened and, and, and so on. But my my com- my concern was all of a sudden social media fired up in the fire community about raising money for all these different foundations, support Maui, blah, 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 blah. And I go, I get very protective of that because I've seen so many of these charitable donation drives go horribly wrong or they're not true. Like how much of that money truly is being funneled into the families of the people that we want to support and all that. So. I reached out to somebody I knew that was uh, in Hawaii and, and they put me, they said, I got the right guy for you. And that's how this all came to be. But it was really me just being inquisitive and wanting to know what, what the real story was. And, um and now I have this sense of obligation that it's my job and duty to really share all of that with the fire service. And if it's picked up by, you know, other outlets or the community, whatever. I don't care. It's about telling the story of of the firefighters and and the community that were affected by this firestorm. And uh, so, I'm just incredibly humbled and honored. That is uh, something I haven't spoken about yet publicly on National Fire Radio. So you're getting the exclusive right here, right now. That and Joey D, you're good, Sean, Mister hey. Egan. You're, you're
1: bringing it out of me today. That's what I get for for pissing off all the people. I probably pissed off with all the stuff I said today, but.
0: Whatever. I don't, I don't think you did. I mean, thinking about the conversation we just had for the last hour and something, I don't think there's much there to piss anyone off. It's, it's, a,
1: people out like everybody, you know, but just, so. if, you're, if you're, if you're one of these folks that covers fires, a cover incidents, think about, think about the people at home, think about that individual and their family and, you know, again, we can handle it. That's what we signed up for, but you know, My kids were born into this. They didn't sign up for that. You know, and and, it's hard, you know, and I'm not, again, I appreciate what, what those folks do trying to cover and show, listen, every fire department in the world needs public support. And so when you get someone to get a chance, but all I'm asking is like, use your brain, be smart about it a little bit. I think
0: that's fair. I don't think there's anything wrong with that brother. Yeah. Sean Egan. Thank you, brother. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you as always.
1: Yeah, me too. I really, uh, you know, Look forward to seeing you in the flesh again in November. See you right? in
0: November. Yeah, I'm psyched. Good luck at uh, Firehouse Expo with your class. And uh, I know you'll crush. You always do. Um, thanks for being my friend. And uh, I appreciate you, man. All right, brother. Thanks. Well, cool. Stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Uh, let me just sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Take this conversation. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. When we talk about the job, we are making the job better. From my buddy, Sean Egan, I'm Jeremy, National Fire Radio.